Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast. We are back this week. Apologies for missing last week, but we are here today to talk about Sunday, May 7th's message uh, that I got to do called God and Us as part of our Real Relationship series. So I am Ryan Balby, the interim teaching pastor, and today I'm joined by Kaden Nyborg, who is our middle school pastor. Yeah. Well, Kaden, you get to be the question asker today, so take it away. Great. Uh, so let's start off with what did you gain through your sermon prep process? Yeah, so th- this was a, I mean, it was a, a fun message to do. I think when, honestly, when we first kind of put it in the series, there was a little bit of a moment of like, all right, this is going to be the most basic, it's going to be the simplest one, mm-hmm. and and really, you know, was kind of the one... I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but was the one I was kind of like least excited about because it was like, okay, it's basically, you know, the gospel message, God and us, which is great. Like, and I want to proclaim that, but, um, but I was excited to do some, some different things with relationships. But I, I think for myself, one of the, honestly, one of the realizations I had as was just diving into this relationship is remembering that we have a relationship with God. And I think for myself, there are times where as I'm doing study and studying the Bible, studying theology, doing different things, like going through through school right now, um, there are times where my relationship with God becomes more about knowledge of God mm. rather than relationship with God. And so I think even as I started putting this message together, there was a little bit more of that head knowledge of who God is. And 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 it was, it was kind of dry to start the process, which is like, okay, well, here's who God is and here's how we should see him and here's how he sees us. And then there was just kind of this moment of of pause and reflection of realizing I'm talking about a relationship with God. Like, like that that's crazy that we even get to do this, that God has chosen us to be in relationship with him. And, and so for myself, it was honestly just this um, kind of relational connection of, you know what? Like head knowledge is like knowledge of God is good. Like mm-hmm. we should pursue that. Doing things for God is good. But if we don't start from a place of just being present with God and realizing he desires a relationship with us and we should desire a relationship with him, then the rest of it doesn't matter. And and so for me, it was reconnecting my heart to saying, hey, God, as I prepare this message, I just want to be with you and find times of prayer and find times to give thanks and just find times of worship just to be in his presence. And, And so that's what I wanted to communicate was how amazing and wonderful it is that God welcomes us into relationship. And then also uh, just this this question of, is that our heart's desire? Because again, I think it's easy to get caught up in the head knowledge or or doing things or whatever it may be, you know, going through the checklist. And, and what God most desires is relationship with us. I mean, Jesus Emmanuel is God with us. And mm-hmm. so I think that's where that that is demonstrated. And so for me, that was the aha moment was like, hey, I get to be present with God and I want to communicate that to others so that maybe there's other people sitting in, in the seats who are feeling the same way I am, where it's like, okay, like I'm filling my head up, but my heart is far from God. Um, and you know, there's even passages that talk about that of, of, Hey, we did all these things in your name. And God says away from me. Like I never knew you. And it's like, that's, that's terrifying. And so it's such an amazing blessing to have relationship with God and, that was for me this this week, especially as I, I prepared and studied, it was like, okay, but I just want to be present. I want to be available in worship and not get caught up in, in what I have to do or what I have to teach or different things like that. So it really was just a relational moment. And that's what I was hoping to communicate through the message. That's good. 
Uh, so you mentioned how our relationship with God it then bleeds into our relationship with others. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So we're in a, a real relationship series and we're primarily, you know, five of the six weeks are going to be about our relationships with one another. I mean, next week will be family and then after that will be coworkers. We've covered male and female. We talked about just person to person mm -hmm. in general um, and, and we talked about different generations. And, and, and so we kind of, you know, pause in this place to talk about God and us. But I, I said this week one and, and, and I just think it's true that the way that we understand God's love for us, the way we understand his relationship with us and our relationship with him will determine how we relate to others. Because if we understand what God did for us, like that's going to lead us to be more loving towards others. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't think you can receive that kind of love and grace and not want to pass it on to someone, right? Like if you really have that relationship with Christ and you really see the sacrifice he made, the, I mean, just his glory and, and the fact that, you know, just, just how, how, how incredible it is that he would actually do this for us when, when, when we are nothing in comparison um, should lead us to look at other image bearers who really are equals. And the only response should be to go and demonstrate mm -hmm. love towards, towards people. So, I, I mean, that's just really where our hearts should be that I think the more we pursue God, the more we start to see the world through his eyes. And so when Jesus says that, hey, the most important commandment is love God, and they says a second like it, love your neighbor as yourself, it's like, well, that stems from the first. And so if we love God and we have a proper view of God, then we're going to start to see others in the way that God sees them. Mm -hmm. And we're going to love other people the way God loves them and, and point them to Christ because we've been given this amazing gift that we just want to share. So we have to I mean, we always have to make sure that our hearts are right with God first. Like before we're going to lead anyone else, before we're going to be a pastor to anyone else um, or, or share the gospel with anyone else, like if we're going to do that effectively, we need to lead ourselves in relationship with God first. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit, but your first point was we don't deserve to be in a relationship with God. Why don't you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I mean... It's, you know, the, the, the passage in Psalm, we were reading from Psalm 103, verses 13 through 18 is kind of where we cover. By the way, all of Psalm 103 is just really great, like, relational verses. Um, but when you, when you look at that passage, it just, it says, God knows who we are, and he knows that we are formed from the dust. Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's what we are. We are the dust of the ground. And so I, I think it's easy, especially as we go through church a lot, like, we know we know the church answers, right? Like we know that we're valuable. We know that we have worth. We know that God cares about us. And so, and, and that's good. Like we should know those things. That's important. Um, and we want to teach those things. But the the flip side of that becomes if, if we get too caught up in that, then we, we start to forget why we have worth and value. And, and it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we have earned it. It's just because God has freely given that to us anyways. So um, it's important to remember who we are, where, what we were created from, mm -hmm. that we are, we are God's creation. And I don't think I said it in all the services, but at least in one of them, I, you know, I compared it to my kids um, doing their own artwork. And, and lately it's like, okay, do you want to keep this or do you want to get rid of it? And they kind of mm -hmm. look at it and they're like, do I really want to find a place to put that in my room? <laughs> like I have to go put that away. Like, do I want to do that? And so, you know, sometimes it's like, yes, I love this and I worked really hard on it. And so they want to keep it. And like, that's fine. Like, that's great. It has value, mm -hmm. has worth to them. Um, 
But in, in other times it is, uh, you know, something where they're like, Oh, I had fun coloring that, but like, I don't care about it. And so they're like, no, throw it away. And, and they have every right to do that. Like no one, no mm-hmm. one is offended that like, Whoa, you're throwing away your, your, your painting, like your coloring, like that's crazy. Um, because they're the creator, so they can do what they want with it. And so that's, that's who we are. Like we are, we are dust. We are God's creation. We are formed from the ground. And even in Psalm 103, it says that we are like grass that flourish like a flower of the field, but then the wind blows over and it is gone. And Mm -hmm. so we're just quickly here and then gone. And then to make things worse as creation, we actually rebel against our creator and we uh, like all have a sin problem, like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we've literally all pushed God away, even though he's the creator. And even though he's the one who determines our value, we think we can do that on our own. And we see that in small and big ways where we just make ourselves our God, or we make, you know, something else, like something in Mm -hmm. the created world, God. And, um, yeah, it's just important to remember, like, we don't, we don't deserve any of this and, and you're never, you're never good enough. Like if you think you're good enough, like it's just not the case, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't give enough money. You can't go to church enough times. I had, I had a friend who in high school, like he, you know, we kind of joked about it because he was new to church and he was kind of coming. I wanted him to keep coming. And it was like, man, you got to get to church a hundred times before like you can get to heaven, you know, <laughs> like, um, so I guess I just taught him a lot. No, like we, we, like we knew it was, it was like, we knew it was right. a joke, but like, but it was, but, but some people operate under that mentality. Like as long as I'm at church, Christmas and Easter, as long as I occasionally do a good, good deed or, or give some money to the poor or whatever it may be, like I write my tithe check, like I'm fine. Like that's all God cares about. I'm like, no, like you can't earn it. And, and, and that really builds into the relationship aspect that God wants your heart. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's an Isaiah. It talks about how like, God's not pleased with your sacrifices. He's not pleased with your offerings. And, and even though those things were commanded, like it's not what he wants because he wants you. He wants your heart. That's the whole point. Like the sacrifice and offering is a way of expressing our heart and gratitude. So everything we do out, out of obedience is a way of expressing our heart and gratitude. God wants relationship. Um, and, and so we can't earn that. We don't deserve it. Um, and that should be the starting place because it makes everything else more significant. Yeah. Uh, your second point was we are loved and saved by God. Did you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, again, if our starting place is that we don't deserve it, then this leads us to gratitude and this leads us to connecting to God. Because, um, like, when someone loves you and it's, like, unexpected, it's unconditional, it's undeserved, that's that's a really powerful statement. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you do something wrong or you make a mistake with, you know, a friend or someone, maybe someone you want to be a friend, you walk away like, okay, I can, I can share a little bit of this story. So when I, when I met my wife, um, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to think how much of the story <laughs> I want to get into. Um, so, so th- there was a time where, where basically it, she was, she was like my boss in, in this church that we worked at. And she told me not to do something. And I went ahead and did it anyways, cause I didn't think it was a big deal. And, um, and then I, I, well, anyways, I told a student not to tell her, which that was also, it was <laughs> lots of mistakes were made. Um, and, and so I, you know, this was before we were like dating. And so I had, mm-hmm. I had a crush on her. I assumed she just saw me as like some dude. Um, and, uh, and, and so it, it all like, it was like my birthday party and it all came out that, that I'd done this thing and told people to keep it a secret from her. 
And she was uh, not happy to say the least uh, about that. And so she kind of like, she was like, I need to leave. And I was like, oh gosh, like I like, I just messed up. Like I just ruined this relationship um, and, and nothing's going to come from that. And you know, the next day, like she called and we talked and, and, and she forgave me for what I did and, and, you know, welcomed me back into a relationship. I guess she had a crush on me too, you know, whatever. And, um, and so, <laughs> uh, and, but, but really like, I mean, in, in that moment, it's like, no, like you could, you could probably go and get me in a lot of trouble at work. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could just be like, okay, I'm done. Like he broke trust. Like that's the end of our relationship. Um, but instead she chose to forgive and to demonstrate love in a way that was unexpected and really was undeserved from, from, from my point of view. And so, you know, that was, was an incredibly powerful statement to me of like, Hey, like this is the, you know, we can make these things work. And I think that like when we when we understand what we've done with God, I mean, it's significantly worse than, you know, than that moment. It's like we constantly push God away and have rebelled. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, God it, it, in the prophets, like even compares it like to an affair, like to having an affair, like uh, mm -hmm. the, the bride of Christ has had, you know, essentially has committed an affair against God. And, and so you think about that and yet God still forgives and he still welcomes back. And, um, you know, I think I think I mentioned it later, but like it doesn't mean he approved right? Like he doesn't right. celebrate sin or just be like, Hey, we can just call it whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Um, but he, he loves us in spite of our sin and like, and he, he saves us into something better. Mm. Uh, under that point, you mentioned us being sons and daughters of the most high and him being our father. Um, what other identifiers of God kind of play into that? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways that we can look at God, and we should we should use all of these. So, I mean, you know, you can start from a place of God being creator, and again, understanding our value um, mm -hmm. comes from the creator. We are creation, so we don't deserve anything, but like, we look at Him as creator. And I heard um, I heard a pastor talking about this once, and just saying like, imagine what it would have been like for Adam to just like suddenly wake up in this world like alive and to like mm -hmm. look at God and God to be like. Yeah, I created you. Like I made you. Like, and and just the the significance that that had. I don't know. I haven't seen Pinocchio in a while. Maybe it's like Pinocchio with Geppetto. Like, is that a thing? I think he just wanted to be a son. You know, there's probably some biblical. Uh, there's some biblical um, tie-ins there. But uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. So ignore everything I just said. But um, uh, you know, so so God is creator. Uh, God is also like we call him Lord, and that's important too because this relationship again. I, I, you know, just said a moment ago, God doesn't approve of our sins. Um, he doesn't say do whatever you want to do. Uh, so we need to, we need to call God Lord and actually allow him to lead our life. Like we need to um, have this, this mentality of I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to trust mm -hmm. you. And, and what you call me to do is, is what I'm going to do. And so um, we, we should see him as Lord. Um, and, and, and then also like we should see him as father. And there's probably some other, you know, there's, there's tons of names for Jesus and, uh, you know, even God. I mean, you can look at like Elohim and Yahweh and Jehovah and all the differences that those have. I mean, you know, some just signify like, hey, this deity who is the creator and some are like that personal connection. And yeah. um, but so so when you when you see kind of the full identity of God and you put him in correct perspective, the fact that we can call him father and that he adopts us as sons and daughters, is just, it's just a crazy thing. I mean, uh, I actually shared this with our fourth and fifth graders uh, a couple weeks ago at, at, or two weekends ago at Wolf Mountain, 
of like, you know, and I, and I talked about, I talked about my dad and I, like, I love my parents. Like I'm, I'm so thrilled to be like my parents' son. Um, but also like, you know, there, there were times and I shared it with the fourth and fifth graders, like, I was like, oh man, it would've been cool if my dad was like a professional basketball player, right? <laughs> like it just, I don't know, it would've been cool if like my mom was like some famous singer or some famous actress, you know, like whatever, because like, um, I was like, it'd be cool to have a parent, like my one, like my dad be like the president. Cause then I could mm-hmm. live in the white house. I, you know, it was just like these privileges that come with, with your parent being some celebrity or having tons of money, like, and you know, there's flaws to that too, but, um, but it, but it's that like, it's that mentality of, you think of, of creating the best possible parent and like God trumps all of that, right? Like he's just, he's just so much better than that. And so the fact that we should start from a place of like creator and we should start from a place of Lord, but we get to call him a father or, mm-hmm. or even, you know, and this is always weird for whatever, but like, like we are the bride of Christ. And so we yeah. see him as the, as the groom um, as well. Like there's, there's these like really loving relationships that we have with God as well. And, um, and I just think that that's something that's really special, but again, you want to see kind of the whole perspective of, of who God is. And, and, and cause I think that amplifies the fact that we get to call him father. Um, and, and I mentioned this, I'll just mention it one more time. Um, in Galatians, there's a, there's a verse that talks about how we can, we can call God father, but it says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're doing the, the real relationship small group study, like you're going you're gonna to be studying this verse and talking about this verse. And that, that phrase Abba is, is daddy. And so it's like a, a child running to their father and crying out like daddy um, and, and, and running into his arms. And, um, you know, not everyone has that relationship with their father, but like, Galatians tells us that like God's going to do a miracle in our hearts that leads our, our spirits to call out like Abba Father. And, and, and it's going to transform us so that even if we have a bad example of, of a father here on earth, mm-hmm. like, like we can see God in correct perspective and understand the significance of his love for us. That's good. Uh, your third point was God knows you and loves you enough to do good for you. Why don't you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, so um, there, I don't remember who, it, you know, it's been said many times, but like, and I forget the exact wording, but essentially like knowledge without love, I mean, feels so devaluing. Like if someone knows you, but they don't love you, you're going to feel incredibly devalued because like they know your flaws and they have chosen, like chosen to walk away because of that. And like, that's, that's painful. That hurts. Um, love without knowledge is just fake though. Like if someone's like, Oh, I love you and you're, you're the best and you're my best friend. And like, they don't know anything about you. It's like, Oh, cool. That's nice. Like, it's just, it's just flattery. And and you know that that doesn't actually mean anything. But when someone really knows you and still loves you, like that's, that's a powerful statement. Yeah. And, and God knows every piece of, of who you are. He knows every sin. He knows every flaw and he still loves you. And, and it's not just like a casual love. It's not just like a, yeah, all right, you can hang around. It's like, no, he loves you enough to do good for you. And ultimately that's demonstrated through the cross. Like we see that demonstrated through Jesus stepping down from eternity because he knows our greatest need is to deal with our sin problem. Like he knows that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
and he knows that the wage of sin is death, and he knows it's not a price we can pay. And that's why Romans 6.23 tells us the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus, knowing our sin, knowing how, how deeply we, we need him, stepped down onto this earth, lived the perfect life, suffered and died on the cross, buried our sins, washed them away, and rose again so that we could have life through him. And, um, you know, you know, one of the passages I was thinking about, too, was when Jesus meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4, mm-hmm. he meets the Samaritan woman, and he just has a conversation with her. And she has a lot of sin in her life. She has a lot of things that, that everyone else is judging her for, and everyone else is pushing her away. And so she shows up to the well at a time when she doesn't expect anyone to be there. And Jesus engages her in conversation, and she's trying to push him away. She's like, hey, you shouldn't be talking to me. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. Like, you're a Jewish man. Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, just just leave me alone, because mm-hmm. if, we, if we go too deep, you might find out something about me that everyone else knows that then you're going to have some harsh things to say, or I don't know what she was expecting, mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything good. And Jesus continues just to, to, to demonstrate love, and she's probably thinking, oh, this man's really nice, but if he knew, he would walk away. Um, and, and then we get to this point where Jesus says, go call your husband. And you, you can almost sense like her heart starting to, 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 to beat out of her chest, you yeah. know, like, oh no, like this is where he finds out. And, and, and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you're right. You've had, I think it's six. All right. You've had six, uh, husbands and you're living with a guy who's not your husband now. So like tons of like sin that was really serious, especially at this time. Um, it, it is, it is serious according to the Bible, but like, you know, this was a big deal. And, and there's probably this moment of pause of realizing, oh, he's known this the whole time, and yet he has demonstrated love. Mm. And that's how Christ sees us, like that he knows us deeply and he still loves us. Again, not approving, not saying that there is no sin, because to this woman, he, you know, he says, like, go and sin no more. Like, he, he calls her into something better, because when someone loves you, they don't want you to keep heading down a path that leads to death and destruction. And Jesus said, that's the enemy's plan. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So he's going to correct us. He's going to turn us around, um, but he's going to accept us where we're at. And we see that all the time in the Gospels where he sits and has meals with sinners and tax collectors. And mm-hmm. people are judging him for not judging others. And, and so we see this, this knowledge of people's sin, this knowledge of who people are, and yet this love for them that allows them to belong while they figure out what it means to believe, knowing the behavior is not there yet, but it will come through the work of the word and the spirit. And we see people's lives transformed because of what Jesus did. And so just that knowledge for us to know, wow, like God, you know me, you know everything I've, mm-hmm. I, I think, everything I do, and you still love me and you still want what's best for me. And you're still willing to like go to the cross for me. Like what an incredible gift that is. Yeah. All right, and then near the end of your message, you talked about a reminder of God's covenant and the call to obedience. Why don't you kind of give any other thoughts on that? Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, you know, as we receive God's love, the, the reminder of the covenant is that we f- we will fail in, in our attempts to live out the covenant. And, and God knows that. He, mm-hmm. you know, technically tried that with Adam, like he knew it was gonna fail, but like he offered that to Adam, fails on page two. And, and so then there's this covenant of grace that is made through Christ that um, that only Jesus can fulfill, that like only he can can do what needs to be done through that. And there's this whole scene in Genesis where um, Abraham has this, this vision, God makes a covenant with Abraham, and, and they split the animals apart, and then it's essentially God walking through the animals split apart. 
And this is how they would make covenants. And essentially, if you walk through, you were saying, whoever breaks the covenant, this is what will be done to the person who breaks mm. the covenant. But because it was God who walked through and, and not Abraham, it was God saying, this is what I will do for you when you break the covenant. And so we see wow. that ultimately that the blood is poured out, uh, that, that Jesus' blood is poured out to fulfill that covenant promise. And all we have to do is receive that gift. And so then when we talk about obedience, we're not talking about obedience to try and earn God's love. We're talking about obedience out of God's love. And, and really, the, the two things that God says sum up everything is love God and love others. So we've been talking about loving others. And, and really, my challenge to everyone on Sunday, my challenge to you who are listening today, is just to do a heart check and say, do I really love God? Like, do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength? Do I love him with everything that I have? Is he my number one? Am I pursuing him? Do I long for time with him? Like, not just do I know things about him? Not am I doing things for him, but like, do I really love God? Because I think if we're honest, there are times where, where we come to church and we show up and we check things off a list. Maybe we even do our Bible reading plan or whatever. Um, and we haven't spent any time with God. Mm -hmm. And so he's always present with us, but we actually need to be intentional about saying like, hey, I know you're, you're dwelling in my heart. I know you're here by my side, but I actually need to like get face to face with you and actually have a conversation with you. Like I need to put everything else on hold and just to be present and worship and spend yeah. time with you. And so, I mean, if we're not taking time out of our day to put everything else aside just to be in his presence, whether that's in the word, in prayer, in, you know, in song, whatever it may be, like, but, but really like, like being with him, um, then, then we're missing out on this incredible blessing and missing out on the obedience that he calls us to, which is first to love him with everything that we have. So my encouragement and my challenge is to just do a heart check of where is your love for God? Like, how is that being seen? How is that being lived out? Because this is, this is the most important relationship that we have. And if we don't get this right, nothing else matters. So God is pursuing you. He loves you. Pursue God. Demonstrate love towards him. And as you receive the love of God, and as you fall in love with him and spend time with him, calling him father, calling him the groom, you know, letting him lead you as Lord, understanding his, his worth as creator, then your love for others is going to follow along with yeah. that. But you have to get this part right. Great. So uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all I today. got. But we will be back next week. Next Sunday, we are talking about family, parents, and kids. But there's going to be something for everyone. So if your kids are out of the house or you're single or whatever, like there's still a part to play as a part of the church. So I encourage you to be there, and we will see you next time.